Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Sports Staff. I'm Nadia the Fan. I'm your host, Wim Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lose at the buzzer uh, by a score of 119 to 160. I don't know why I said that excitedly. I mean, it was a heartbreaker. Um, Kyrie Irving with a nasty step back crossover three uh, to win it right at the buzzer there. Uh, in a game where the Raptors competed, they played hard. They, they opened the game well. They built an early lead. And, um, you know, some of their key players really continued to step up, continue to see more strong signs from Fred, more strong signs from Scotty. And, um, you know, I, I thought between what those two were doing, you were going to be able to, well, I mean, have a chance, really. You always get nervous in close games against Brooklyn, right? Because we just know the kind of firepower that they have. Um, we literally saw it uh, earlier this season. The Raptors have lost four times to Brooklyn, by the way. They got swept by Brooklyn. First time that's happened since 2003. Um, but we saw it earlier this season where the Raptors went out on the road. And even though the Raptors were making some tough shots, the Nets came back and made more tough shots. And they beat the Raptors uh, with a Kyrie three on that one as well. And also another play where the Raptors doubled Kyrie and he found a teammate. Uh, last time he found Royce O'Neal. This time he finds... Podcast fave Utah Watanabe. Again, I don't know why I said that excitedly because I'm not excited. Um, you know, Utah coming back and burning us with a hyper-efficient game. This man's definitely getting the Gerald Henderson Award. I, I can't believe it. Um, top 10 anime betrayals and all that. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a tough one. This is a tough result. Um, I think a lot of things were going well for the Raptors. Um, you know, especially, you know, down the stretch because... You know, the Nets trailed the whole time. Uh, the Raptors led after uh, the first quarter, 29-19. to 19, and They were able to push that lead higher and higher. Brooklyn actually closed out the first half strong. I think the Raptors just didn't have the focus there. They gave them, like, one or two extra possessions. Malachi took a bad shot. You know, the Nets came back the other way and scored, stuff like that. So, you know, um, okay, they could have closed a half better, but ultimately they played the first half quite well. The thing is, the third quarter, the Raptors have really struggled with that. And so the Nets took it to another level. Um, KD was scoring. Kyrie was scoring. Ben Simmons was dunking. You know, so there's a lot of stuff there that um, got going for them. But the Raptors, to their credit, if, if you are going to give them any credit, it's that, you know, as soon as the Nets could have came within one or made it a one possession game, the Raptors would come back and woke up a little bit and, and sort of started providing some baskets of their own. Now, Brooklyn eventually did take the lead. But again, it was a very close game never more than one or two possessions. And, you know, the fourth quarter kind of went down that way. Like, you know, the Raptors were really kind of in it. And you got to give Scotty a ton of credit. Um, I thought it was a weird game from Scotty because first half he was he was dribbling the ball a lot uh, and, and kind of pounding it for these, like, uh, you know, post-ups where he had his back to the basket. And it just made it really easy for the Nets to come over and block his shot. No fouls on a lot of these plays. Uh, and, and, and honestly, he had some easy chances that he could have converted as well that he just couldn't finish, right? There's a couple times you saw him sort of getting frustrated and down at himself because of the fact he knew he was missing layups. Like, even when he did get fouled sometimes, that should have been and one. Um, and of course, you know, you just know that he's much better than that. And in the fourth quarter, you saw that. I mean, Scotty came alive in the fourth quarter, had 18 and, you know, was just taking it to the nets time and time again. You know, play of the game for me was seeing Scotty take KD off the dribble, bump him. Or actually, I think KD tried to bump him as well. Pretty hilarious. KD's much smaller than, than Scotty. So he literally, uh, KD bumped Scotty, but kind of ricocheted the other way because, you know, Scotty's bigger. And Scotty's going to tape it in for a dunk. Then Scotty yelled at KD. KD yelled back. KD got slapped with the tech. Raptors made the tech. 
it's beautiful to see and Scotty just skipping down the, the other end as if he just didn't poke the bear against KD of all people. And listen, you know what? He backed up that talk too because he was getting to the rim repeatedly after that and to the point where you know he was having a good night because the Raptors, after calling a timeout down two, the, the play that they went to in the last minute was a classic go-to play. Fred screens for a big ball handle on the top. Now, usually that'd be Pascal there, but they gave Scotty that play. And, Pas- and Pascal was in the corner, and Fred came over, provided a good screen, got separation. The Nets were a little confused in terms of what they wanted to do in terms of the switch. Gave Scotty that opportunity, and Scotty just took that chance, two strong steps to the rim. Honestly, that looked like it potentially could have been a goal 10, but it, I guess it didn't even matter. Um, but, uh, you know, it was reviewed. I thought, okay, this is a long review. Did it, you know, does, does this ice Scotty or anything like that? Nope. He goes to the free throw line, makes both ties the game and you just don't see a lot of times where the Raptors give the ball to Scotty late clock end of the game clear out here you go but I think it was absolutely the right move not only because the play worked but because of the fact that you know Scotty was the guy who had the advantage and I thought there was a big difference in him playing face up attack aggressive quick basketball versus when he had his back up you know to the play and was you know dribbling you know 10 15 times on one play and then, you know, um, trying to, like, turn around and get a hook shot off. I, I just didn't think he had the right, um, like, the rhythm on those shots in the first half. But clearly, second quarter, he really had it going. And it wasn't just a KD play. There's another play where Ben Simmons was trying to press up all on him. And that's one thing that when you see Simmons play a lot, you notice that this is something that he likes to do. This is his version of bully ball. He just crowds you and bumps you and, and just, like, really gets his chest up into you and, I don't know. He's just trying to like fluster you into to making a mistake. And Scotty just calmly handled that, locked him on the outside of his body uh, and was strong enough to keep him pinned on the outside as he drove all the way in for an and one layup. Like it's it's beautiful stuff like that. That really makes you excited for what Scotty can do, you know, when he is on because like the talent is 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 excellent, right? Like you see the, the force that he's able to get downhill with. Um and so it was great to see that. I thought Fred was awesome in the first half. Um, you know, has still had good moments in the second half as well. Finished with another 39 points, five rebounds, four assists. I love the way he was feeding Scotty repeatedly as well. Um, you know, Scotty had two missed threes. Both of those were driving kicks from Fred. Just couldn't knock those down, but that's okay. That's a good process. Um, you know, but Fred kept feeding Scotty down the stretch as well. Seen a lot of t- tweets about that on the timeline. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, if you look up the tracking data, Fred passes to Scotty 14 times a game. Only person he passes to more is Pascal at 15. So, you know, I I never really understood where that sort of thing came from. But okay, you know, Fred playing the two-man game with Scotty, but also Fred, like, taking his opportunities and scoring. And it's a second straight game, obviously, with 39. This is probably, like, the last two weeks, Fred has really made a point to get into – uh, the paint and to score there. Now, of course, a lot of these are contested looks. It's not easy for him. Sometimes he'll throw up air balls or get get blocked. And of course, like there's going to be a strong reaction to those. But at the same time, I'm, I'm liking the process. Like if your jumper is not really hitting and tonight his three was actually dropping. But if, if your jumper isn't hitting the same way, you got to take it inside a couple of times. Right. And, and you saw Fred do that. Um, him dr- taking Utah to the basket on back to back plays you know, crossing him up just like it was in practice and finishing over, uh, you know, at the rim. Um, you know, he had a clutch mid-range jumper uh, in the last minute there to sort of give the Raptors a temporary lead as well. 
Um, and yeah, I, I just love the way um, Fred has been attacking the last two games. He's been he's been really sharp. Um, you know, I, I don't know where this sudden burst to get downhill has come from, but he is now generating that separation. I think maybe the Raptors are doing a better job screening for him as well. That's something you got to look back on the tape. You know, are they just doing a better job of screening? But, you know, he's getting that space, you know, whether to to take the mid-range jumper or get all the way down to the basket. He's getting some decent foul calls down there as well. Eight free throw attempts are really uh, a good sign of sort of how hard Fred was attacking. And, of course, the threes were dropping too, right? Like, Raptors only made one three in the second half, which sounds like a ridiculous stat, but, I mean, come on, are you surprised? Uh, but Fred actually was able to knock down uh, a, a transition pull up three, uh, I think, to tie the game as well. So I think the confidence was there. Four of nine from three, and that's includes some like late clock heaves that, whatever. Like it's gonna look back on your box score, but it's actually an unselfish play to to take a heave. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I thought Fred played great. Like this is very similar to the Sacramento game. You know, Fred and Scotty carried it. Um, for the Raptors, you know, I, I think for 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 Scotty was definitely the fourth quarter, and he had that was his best quarter of the season. And then for Fred, it was mostly the first half, but he was still making plays throughout. Uh, blocked KD at one point. Um, you know, it, I, I thought Fred just played really tough, gritty basketball. The only thing you would say with Fred is just like, does he have the length to guard Kyrie? And the answer is no. Um, but. I mean, at the same time, it's one of those things where you kind of have to trade, like, do you want foot speed against Kyrie because you want to be able to contain his drives or do you want the length to con- to contest his shot? To be honest, with a, with a player as good as Kyrie, I mean, what can you say? That's a pure hooper, man. There's, there's, not, there's not too much you can do against him. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, ultimately, yeah, Kyrie made a couple of buckets against, you know, Fred, and you might say in hindsight, maybe we could have switched that matchup. Sure. I, honestly, I, I wouldn't have minded. If the Raptors tried a different matchup, but ultimately at the same time, it's not like Kyrie wasn't scoring with bigger guys as well. Sometimes you just got to tip your cap that, I mean, the offensive creation from him is just nuts, right? Cause it's not just a game winner, right? Because the game winner is, is the big play. That's the highlight you're going to see over and over again. But, uh, you know, he also made two other huge plays in the final minute there. So after the Raptors, um, went ahead with Fred's mid-range jumper. The Nets quickly inbounded, got the ball back to Kyrie, and Kyrie was able to drive in coast-to-coast for a transition layup. Now, it was a hard layup. Scotty was right there to contest, but, you know, Kyrie was able to finish, right? So, um, you know, you, that that is arguably a tougher shot than the one he hit over Fred. Uh, and then Kyrie had another play where the Raptors had him double-teamed, um, and instead of walling him off on the double team, Kyrie was actually able to keep his dribble alive and then slither past the double team into the heart of the defense uh, and then kicked it out to the corner for, for Utah. Now, Scotty tried to, to to sell the charge there. Maybe there's a case for a charge. I thought Kyrie was mostly under control, though. So even though you know there was contact and Scotty did fall over, I didn't think that the, the refs uh, were wrong to not call that. I think that's actually a perfectly fine no call. But the point is, the Raptors had a double team on Kyrie in the middle of the floor, and somehow Kyrie was able to dribble around that and get into the paint and then kick out to Utah in the corner, which, you know, good for Utah, I guess, man. Um, You know, he's obviously having a a great season with Brooklyn. Uh, I've seen a lot of tweets about um, how the Raptors are wrong to let him go. You know, (laughs) um, I mean, I guess you wouldn't find an argument from me, right? 
So it, I guess I'm just on that level. I'm happy for Utah, uh, but definitely sad that uh, he was able to make that big shot. He looked thrilled too. He he said that this is the best arena he likes to come to play, you know, against because of all the the bonds he built here. And uh, yeah, that's tough, man. That's a tough one. Watch this guy go celebrate with some ramen too. It's gonna really be a heartbreaker. Um, but uh, you know, overall, I, I thought you know a lot of good moments from the Raptors. You, you know, um, offensively, another efficient night. Got to the free throw line a ton. Um, you know, shot the ball well from from two point range. Um, you know, it was looking a little shaky from two point range until Scotty really found it, a, a good rhythm uh, in the fourth quarter. But you know, offensively, I didn't really have an issue with what, how the Raptors were playing. I, I thought it was pretty strong. Maybe the start of the th- uh, third quarter was only the time when they started playing a little weak. But you know, at the same time, I, I think um, you, you kind of you kind of have to live with this. Like we know what the Raptors are, and they're not an uh, elite offensive team, right? They're going to go through these droughts. Like how many times on the broadcast you watch and you hear, you know, Jack or Alvin or Matt talk about how oh here comes the Raptors, you know, drought. Like it, it's it, it's so consistent. It's like the one thing you can expect from the Raptors is they're going to go on drought sometimes. So they went on their drought in the third quarter and. Yeah, you know, Brooklyn was able to take advantage. I think the other argument to be made is that, you know, good teams are really able to take it to another level. And I think Brooklyn has responded in that way, especially when you saw the type of shots KD was making and Kyrie was making. But I think there's some other things about this matchup that have really bothered me. Like, I think for me, like watching Nick Claxton just, I mean, he just so overwhelmingly dominates Christian Coloco. It's been four straight games of this. You know, I was surprised that, you know, hearing Nick talk at practice about how he's going to use Coloco against Claxton again. Like, I understand it conceptually, right? You want to match length with length, youth with youth. But we've seen the first three matchups. Nick Claxton has eaten Christian Coloco's lunch. Like, he's eaten his lunch, his breakfast, his dinner, his brunch. Like, every single game, Nick Claxton kicks Coloco's ass. To the point where you look at it, 15 points, 10 rebounds, 6 blocks. That's not outside of the blocks, which was amazing. That's not even that far out of the realm for what Nick Claxton is averaging as the Raptors this season because of the fact that he's just been able to shove Christian around on both ends, whether that's offensive rebounding, whether that's put back dunks, whether that's, uh, you know, blocking Christian around the basket and Christian one for four. You know, Christian's only taking layups and dunks. So you're telling me his one for fours are different than one for four from other guys. One for four, that's on layups and dunks. And this guy getting blocked repeatedly, stuffed by Nick Claxton. It really just shows you once again how the Raptors are underserved at the center position there's just no way that uh you know you can expect to win that many games with such an inexperienced player playing you know in a starting role for you I mean it's not even like I mean Nick Claxton's having a really nice year breakout year where is he in terms of center it's like I would say this season probably you know in that 10 to 15 range previously probably not in the in a probably more like you know 20 to 25 range this year he's taking a step up but it's not like we're talking about oh we just went into philly and and, and joel Embiid crushed you know christian coloco we're not watching like oh nikola Jokic crushed christian coloco we're talking about nick claxton has owned christian coloco four straight games and again i don't even blame coloco like i really don't honestly um he's just under uh you know undermatched in in, in this specific matchup he's not prepared he's, he's he just needs more time um to develop um and I truly wonder, like, how much these reps are specifically useful for him. Because, like, I don't see, like, improvement from the start of the year. You know, like, if anything, I, I, I feel almost bad coming back to this topic, you know, 
game after game being like, well, the weak spot was Christian, you know, and, and that's nothing against him. You know, I, I think he's a really nice rookie, but, um, you know, the Raptors just need to get more help at the center spot because just no way to, 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 to play getting all my, you know, Claxton like that. But listen, you know, just like in that um, Sacramento game, I think the bigger thing is just for me, I, I needed to see more from Pascal. Um, you know, I think for Pascal, what was really nice seeing at the start of the year was the face-up game um, from probably 20 feet and in. Uh, he would catch it around that that, that uh, elbow area, maybe elbow extended, and just really go to work. You know, use his footwork, get to the line, beat guys off the dribble, use the fadeaway jumpers, and not play out of contact, but sort of keep the defense um, on its toes and, and baiting them into fouls and, and sort of like manipulating where the defense is going. That was partially why it looks so good. Last two games here, I, I thought there was a lot of chances where Pascal was forcing it with his back to the rim, which obviously you can do that as well. It's usually for the spin back, for the for the, for the spin move and then the, the, the push shot. Um, but, you know, when I was watching this game today, it just felt like, you know, why, why not face up and try to attack some of these guys? You know, I, I think that... Uh, there was probably more of a chance for him to do that than he thought, you know, and I thought some of the times where he was able to face up, he was able to score like, you know, he was able to face up against KD, up fake, draw KD up in the air, and then step through for the layup. That's a beautiful move. That's exactly what he was doing at the start of the season. Just haven't seen him do it as much the last two games, right? You know, part of the reason why he had uh, an inefficient night, both tonight and, and last night, although tonight was fine, 17 points on 15 shots, like that's about average, but um, part of the reason is his, his nights are inefficient these days or just like, you know, the process is a little bit different, right? Like I, I do think that his best, his better move right now is to face up and attack from there and use his footwork and use his handle and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, I, it just didn't see enough out of Pascal. You know, there was a play I thought really stood out to me. It started the f- third quarter where, you know, um, the Nets were roaring and go and, 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 and Kyrie made a mid range jumper over Fred and then, you know, uh, Kyrie was fouled on a three by Fred. And then on the other end, the Raptors gave the ball to Pascal one-on-one against KD. And, and, and KD was sort of sagging off. But still, Pascal didn't even try to, like, jab stuff or attack or anything like that. He just, like, pulled up for this, like, limp jumper, which was really short. And it's, like, a big difference in statement of intent, right? The Nets are aggressively coming at you, coming at your best players. And on the other end, your best player is just saying, well, I, I, you know, okay, I'll just settle for this. Like, no, attack KD. Like, you know, as much as KD is a great defender... Um, it's not like guys weren't getting by KD tonight, you know? So, um, you would have liked to see more from Pascal. I think from your other supporting players, listen, it, it's not been a strong stretch from Chris by any means. I think he just was out of sync in a lot of moments, you know, plays where he didn't like, for example, you know, uh, Fred worked a pick and roll, you know, Chris, uh, Chris had a switch on him, a smaller guard and not even just like a switch in terms of like, oh, let's post up the, the guard. Chris, if he just realized the position and held and sealed his man, would have caught the ball, turned around, and just went straight in for a layup. So Fred tried to feed him in there, but Chris had his head turned for some reason and just ran away from the ball, and it became a turnover. A couple plays missed uh, in terms of the rotations as well. Um, You know, didn't really get to see him dominate the glass either. And it's it's interesting because I think Chris has traditionally played well against Brooklyn in previous years. I really have to look up the numbers on that, but uh, not a very effective game from Chris. You know, Thad Young came in and, and was was decent. Um, you know, I, I don't think that there was too big of a role from the play, but got a little, little put back. Um, but, you know, there were also some some strange plays there. And again, in the third quarter, like the Raptors took, I don't know, they took, they ate so much of the clock and then they fed Thad Young 
in the post with six seconds left on the clock. Like, they were running all this dribble action, all this other stuff, and there were no real threats at all to the Brooklyn's defense. And then finally, they did all that just to give Thad six seconds to attack in the post where Thad ended up taking a jumper and missing it. Like, that's the kind of stuff where the Raptors offensively, such in the half court, like, just you got to find different ways to get into your actions. Like, that... There's just no way. Again, you should not be taking 18 seconds just to feed Thad in the post. But, you know, still, um, I thought Thad was okay. I thought Juancho looked really um, good at moments, you know, mostly just uh, cutting uh, to the basket. You know, uh, Scotty finding him a couple times uh, on that front. You know, Juancho just getting back door. I thought that was a really nice action from from Nick where he called timeout. Um, the play was, you know, uh, inbound to the post. Uh, feed to the other post, Scotty there, and then Wancho immediately times his cut, goes back door, Scotty finds him, and the Nets are forced to take a foul. Uh, Wancho goes one for two, but that's just good offense there, you know. So I liked Wancho, played 41 minutes, knocked down a three in the first half. Um, you know, just he was decent, you know, rebounded the ball, you know, he was he was decent. I actually a little surprised that he played 41 minutes, I didn't really notice him that much, but. Ultimately, yeah, he wasn't a negative, which is not bad for 41 minutes, honestly. I, like, I take that. And then, of course, your 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 pop off the bench was Malachi. Nick was saying pregame how, you know what, you know, he kind of regrets not getting him back into the game earlier. Um, and so, yeah, we, we got to see him get him into the game earlier. Uh, it was nice to see Malachi come in and be super aggressive with his shot. I mean, to be honest, he took 11 shots. Were they all 11 good shots? No. But... You know, and most of that is just a lot of mid-range pull-ups. Like, his first shot of the game, he came in and immediately jacked up a contested mid-range. I was like, what are you doing? This can't be the way you re- you reward his confidence. But ultimately, he, he started playing well. He had a four-point play, uh, drove end-to-end for a layup in the fourth quarter as well. And Nick ultimately chose to close the game with him. You know, that was the struggle, too. It was like, okay, so you have Fred playing great, Scotty playing great, Pascal, whatever. But, you know, obviously, he's still going to close the game. Wancho's done a decent job for you. Keep him in the game. Who's your fifth guy? And Chris struggled. Thad was probably a little bit too old for that. And so it was down to between Christian and Malachi. And, and Nick ultimately chose Malachi. Now, it was interesting because I, I think some of these matchups really do favor Malachi. Like the Nets do have smaller guards for him to hide on, whether that was like Cam Thomas in the first half or Seth Curry in the first half. Even at Edmund Sumner, a lot of these guys are very inert offensive players. You can even hide them on Royce O'Neal if he really needed to, right? The thing is, it was interesting watching the way the Nets were attacking. They weren't seeking out Malachi on switches. A lot of other times when you see Malachi come into the game, that like, you know, other team immediately hunts for him, right? Like I'm, I'm thinking about early in the season against the Heat, Malachi subs in and Jimmy Butler's like, oh, wh- um, whoever's, you know, being guarded by Malachi, let's say Gabe Vincent, come over here, give me a screen. Let me force a switch. Let me attack this guy, right? James Harden done the same thing. So it, it was like, okay, so you do worry about mismatch hunting. And obviously the Nets have a lot of guys who can mismatch hunt, but they weren't going at Malachi. And, and instead, Malachi was able to contribute offensively, which was nice to see. Um, you know, I, I admire his confidence. He came in, you know, guns blazing, was shooting it well, confident. I think clearly he knew that he was going to play, and uh, he approached it as if he belonged on the court instead of trying to not make mistakes. It, w- it was nice to see. You know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of it. I think especially for... Some bench scoring, like obviously there was no Gary tonight. He missed the game, um, you know, was ruled out shortly before the match. And so uh, you did need somebody to come in and play, you know, <laughs> minutes at guard. It was interesting, too, because they called up Jeff Downton Jr., made him take the go train from uh, 
<laughs> to get into work in time and then they didn't even play him. So why did you take to make him do that? Like could have just left him with a 905 and end up losing as well. So whatever. But yeah, uh, they gave Malachi a shot. Uh, I mean, look, Malachi shot the ball decently. You know, we'll see how long this lasts. But, you know, for a guy who can come in and give you a little bit of bench pop, it's not bad. I think one thing with Malachi that was nice to see was in the second quarter there, um, Raptors able to run two point guard lineups with Malachi and Fred. And I think at the first possession um, of the second quarter, they opened with Fred and Malachi. And uh, Fred was able to find Malachi curling off an off ball screen uh, across the you know the opposite wing for a three. And then about six minutes later, same action except Malachi finds Fred coming off ball for a three. It just reminded me a lot of like. Uh, this is a staple in the Raptors offense. Like thinking back to 2014 when they had Gravis Vasquez and Kyle Lowry, um, you know, and of course, DeMar DeRozan, like three guys can operate as point guards in, in that season. Then you had 2015 and you had Kyle, you had Gravis, you had Lou Williams, you had DeMar. And then after that, you had Corey Joseph and Kyle. Uh, and then you had, you know, DeMar as well. And then after that, you got even more guards with DeLon Wright adding into the fold. And then Fred joining the fold. Like, you know, you just had lots of two-point guard looks to go to. Now, of course, right now, big focus is Vision 6'9". Obviously, you don't want to play two guards that are not 6'9". But listen, there are some benefits uh, to having skill on the court. Like, I, I know that sounds like a flippant statement. I'm not trying to be, like, sarcastic about it. I just mean that sometimes when you look at the way the Raptors have drafted and, and prioritized the way they've sort of moved, a lot of it is predicated on what's the what's the physical um, profile rather than what's the skill profile, right? And so um, having those two-point hard looks was decent. I wouldn't be surprised if Nick stuck to it. But then again, I think it also depends on the matchup, right? So I, I think against teams with small guards, there's no reason why Malachi shouldn't play more. So I'm happy that he's able to come in and show what he could do. Um, but unfortunately, lose the game. And honestly, even thinking back to the last play, you know, it was interesting because the Raptors had a foul to give. There was eight seconds left. And um, yeah, the Nets ran their play. So it was two guys in the strong side corner, um, Ben Simmons inbounding the ball, and then KD setting an, uh, a screen for Kyrie curling up to the top to receive the pass. First time they ran this, uh, Fred guarded Kyrie for a little bit and then took the intentional foul, right? And it was like, okay, that's a smart play, right? You, now you have less, even less time to, to go at it. Of course, the Nets knew that the intentional foul was coming, so of course that's when they that's why they sort of went into their move early. Um, when they lined up again, it was clear that they're going to run the exact same action. Now, I think what's a strong point to, to that play call um, by uh, Jock Vaughn is the fact that because you have um, two shooters in the strong side corner. And then, of course, you also have Ben Simmons, who after the inbound stays on that side instead of going to crowd the floor. Now you have a two-on-two situation, right? When you have uh, KD and Kyrie playing off of each other, you can't really just come over and double anybody because they're both great passers and you just definitely don't want to leave those guys open, right? So, okay, how can you solve that? Well, again, this is just pure hindsight. Again, this is I'm not saying this is a fault on Nick Nurse's, and I recognize that this all happens really quickly in real time, whatever. But what you could have done was not guard the inbounder. You know, like, or it, it, you could maybe soft guard the inbounder and then have Barnes, who was guarding um, Simmons, immediately abandon Simmons and cut to the top of the floor to sort of then create a three-on-two advantage. Now, of course, that does run the risk of Kyrie throwing an excellent pass, high-low, whatever. But to be honest, it wasn't like the rest of the Nets were even expecting the ball. I think they knew exactly who was going to take the shot. Um, 
so you know that was a possibility however let's again that's just pure hindsight uh I, I you know i'm sure if you wanted to run any playback you, you know a coach could find a better way to guard it but still you tip your hat to him great shot and for the raptors look man they, they continue to struggle like it's it, it's you know there's no sugarcoating this um you know you look at their recent string of results right obviously they got that win over the cavaliers which was awesome pascal came back you know thad and wancho were in the starting group they, they played really well but since then, they gave up 40 to the Pelicans in the first quarter in a blowout loss. Fred gets ejected. Then they give up. Um, then Scotty gets a talking to from Masai. Uh, and then they play the Nets. They give up 41 points in that game in the first quarter. They come from behind, and they can't close the gap. Scotty has seven turnovers in that game. After the game, they have a uh, team meeting, which, honestly, I've heard Chris Boucher and also Thad Young kind of play down that whole talk. So, not totally sure what to believe, but ultimately, you know, there was definitely some talk around. We got to start better. They come home, they beat the Magic. Great. Honestly, in retrospect, beating the Magic seems like a pretty good result, considering the fact that the Magic just went ahead and beat the Celtics. Okay. Um, but speaking of beating the Celtics, Raptors couldn't do that. They lose against the Celtics. They weren't able to make a couple of extra plays. Uh, and then the Celtics were able to, you know, to pull away with a, with a narrow win there. Uh, then the Raptors got the gift of AD and, and, and LeBron not playing. And so the Raptors were able to take care of business against the Lakers, but they go down to Orlando, they lose two to the magic, you know, they come back, they lose to the Kings um, in a one possession game. And now they lose to the Nets in a one possession game. Like it's rough. It's really, really rough. And you just really wonder like, how can they snap out of this? To be honest, if you look at the bright side, they have been in a lot of really close games. Like they lost to the Magic by four, they lost to the Kings by one, they lost to the Nets by three, they lost to the Celtics by six. Like, you know, lots of these games have been close, but ultimately, like, where's that extra push? Can they finish strong? And, you know, I, I think my regret in thinking about this is just like, are the Raptors solid enough, right? Like, when I think about the last minute of the game, what disappoints me isn't necessarily. Um, Kyrie being with the crossover Fred and, and hit the pull-up jumper. I mean, like, again, he'll do that to anybody. I'm, I'm serious. He'll do that to anybody. Kyrie's nasty. Um, But in the last minute there, after the Raptors make a shot, Kyrie's able to inbound and, and go all the way to the rim for a layup in transition. How can you give up a transition layup after uh, you've made a shot, right? Like, that's got to be fixed. And then when they have an opportunity to trap Kyrie, you got to be solid enough to trap Kyrie. Like you got to hold him in that position, force him to pass it back out rather than allowing him to turn the corner, get even deeper and then kick out to the corner for three. You prevent those shots. Maybe you don't lose in a buzzer beater. Right. So there are things to sort of um, regret on that front, but I'm happy for Scotty. I'm happy for, 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 for Fred. And, um, yeah, the Raptors are just in a slide, but they got to do a little bit better. They're, you know, they're, they're not out of these games, which I think is a good thing. But, um, yeah, ultimately, no one wants to hear that right now, do they? Or I think they, they want to hear how the Raptors can finally get back in the win column. So um, your three stars from tonight's game, Fred's going to get the first star, 39 points, five rebounds, four assists, a steal, a block. Uh, four nine from three, that's his best three-point shooting performance in probably like a month. Um, I might have to look that up, but. Yeah, if I just had to guess, I'd say a month. It's a good thing is he's getting into the paint and scoring in the paint as well. Uh, and he's into the free throw line. So he's mixing it up. Listen, if Fred played like this all season, there'd be no complaints. Although, to be honest, I did see tons of complaints after the Kings game. So maybe we'll see more complaints. I don't know. But Fred played a great game. I don't think there's anything, you know, to even say about that. Scotty's your second star. 
Started slow, but really came on strong. 26 points, three rebounds, three assists, a steal. Loved the confidence, the attitude that he played with. Just took on any challengers down the stretch. Was really confident. Again, when you can take Ben Simmons and KD all the way to the rim for layups, that's special. Those are really, really good defenders. So Scotty's going to get the second star. Got to the free throw line 11 times, knocked down 10 as well. Great percentage. And then your third star... Honestly, I'd probably give it to Malachi, 13 points. You know, I just like seeing him come in and hit some jumpers. Um, yeah, that's uh, there's not too much else to say about it, but yeah, he, he hit some jumpers. Uh, your Gerald Henderson Award winner, I mean, it's my guy, Utah Watanabe. Come on, man, please call me. Let's get let's get ramen together. Let, let's let's figure this thing out. Stop hurting the Raptors. Six or seven from three, or six or seven from the field, three or four from three, two two from the free throw line, a big three in the last minute there. Um, was literally skipping and jumping as he was heading back to the visitors' locker room. Yeah, it's it, it's tough, man. It's it's tough seeing uh, him celebrate against the Raptors, but good for him. He's really found a home in Brooklyn. He's a really hardworking player, as we all know, and uh, he deserves his chance, and he's getting it. And listen, if you if you want to be mad at the Raptors' front office, or if you want to be mad at Nick for not playing him, please go ahead. Right? Please go ahead. All we ever really did on this program was highlight. That he has been that he has been deserving of minutes. I think I was even saying that back in Tampa. Now, of course, were there times last season when I when I also lost some confidence in him? Absolutely, you know. But at the same time, you know he's a good player. You know he's energized, and yeah, good for him. Honestly, really good for him. Seventeen points. Uh, that does it for the reaction podcast. Um, you know, thanks everyone for listening. Big shouts to, uh, to to Alex for holding down the the Raptor show the last two nights. As you can probably hear from my voice, um, down pretty bad. Um, definitely feel a lot better than I was on Thursday, but, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, been under the weather. Um, definitely had to chuck some Robitussin to, to, to go through 33 minutes of, of talking nonstop. So I'm going to end it there, but, uh, please can you rate, review, subscribe and, um, yeah, otherwise hopefully the Raptors can snap the streak against the Warriors on Sunday. The Warriors are a really bad road team. They don't have Steph. They might not have, you know, Draymond. You know, maybe can you do something? But honestly, who knows with the Raptors, right? Like, they, they gave their best shot the last two games, and they still lost. So, it's it's hard, but, uh, you know, maybe they can get back right with that game. So, thanks everyone for listening. Review, subscribe, and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you on Sunday.